Hey there, this is Sophie. Before we get started in our deep dive podcast conversation today, I just wanted to let you know that if you enjoy our podcast, you might also enjoy some of the other great content we have available for you on YouTube, our blog, and on our website. Check it out, russellinvestments.com. If you look at some of the most successful companies out there, they're looking for how they evolve to not only survive in the future, but to thrive in the future. Our pro practices have to, they have to evolve too. Clients understand that. They see businesses every day evolving their business model. Look at firms like Amazon and Netflix, the things that they've actually accomplished over the last few years by taking that evolution and internalizing it into everything that we do. Making that part of your value proposition for the client on part of what I do is try to innovate and get better for you, Mr. and Mrs. Client, which means that we have to evolve our practices over time. And it's okay if it's not perfect right now. Tina and Tom, we are back again for another episode of our podcast around value of an advisor. We've gone through every single one of the components of the value of A, B, C, P, and T. And to our listeners, if you haven't had a chance to listen to those previous podcast episodes, now would be a good time to go back and listen to those because what we're going to focus on in this episode is wrapping it all together. Now that we know what the value of an advisor is, what is truly important to clients, we want to focus on how can we make sure that our clients know that these things are are things that we're bringing to the relationship, things that we are helping our clients with. So much of what advisors do often ends up happening behind the scenes, behind the curtains, and our clients don't really have a way of knowing and appreciating it. So part of what we want to help you in this episode is how can you articulate to clients, not in a self-serving, back-padding way that can feel uncomfortable, but in a natural way that our clients can understand everything that we do for them behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, all of the thinking that we do for and with them and alongside them. Let's go ahead and dive in, Tina and Tom, on how can we help advisors be able to articulate their value to their clients? Because obviously clients judge a relationship based on interactions that they're having with their advisor. And those interactions and that assessment might look and feel a little bit different for prospects than it does for existing clients. But I'm curious from your points of view, Tom and Tina, where can advisors have the most impact? Is there one type of interaction between an advisor and a client that has the most impact as I'm trying to, as an advisor, demonstrate my value and shore up my value? Maybe Tina, if, if you want to start there and then, and then have Tom jump in as well. It's hard to really think about how you're being judged by the clients. And I agree that we are judged by the amount of time that we spend in front of them, but it's also important for them to understand all the things that you're doing behind the scenes, especially for your very best clients, because you're probably spending a lot of hours behind the scenes doing things and conversations with keeping them calm during times of chaos like we've seen last year. So really trying to formalize your engagements with them is a great place to start. And one of the things that we did here at Russell Investments is we set up a site, a client review site, and it talks about the three P's of a client review. This is the perfect time to work all of this in. And when we think about the three P's, the first P is perspective. 
all of the things that are going on in their life and all the news, they can't tell the difference of what is news and what's noise and how it actually really affects their life. And so helping them understand that perspective of how all of that noise filters down into what is important to them, that's part of perspective. But the other part of perspective is how they actually work with you. And that formula that we talked about, this is the perfect time to actually bring out those five things that we do this rebalancing for you. You know, we work on the behavioral, you know, coaching for you. We help customize the solutions and and align products to the benefit and and we're overlaying tax management onto this. That's the perfect time in the perspective part. But then also to look at their priorities and how you actually engage with them from a dialogue standpoint and going through a rediscovery process. We're in the greatest reassessment of priorities for clients that I have ever seen in my entire career. What a great opportunity to find out what's important to the client, to be able to align align the things you're doing to that. And the final thing is the process. Why did you make the investment decisions that you did to begin with? Why are they still appropriate or not? Or what might need to be changed down the road based on priorities changing? If you lay this out in that type of format, it becomes consistent for the client and they start to internalize that process every single time that you work with them. When advisors kind of go through this process of of learning of this equation, their initial thought is, well, this is great for a prospect, someone brand new, I can introduce this, that I do all these things, but how do I actually take it back to someone that I've been working with for a few years? And there's that fear that, wait a minute, they're going to think that I've been cheating them this whole time, if only now that I'm bringing this up years later. And I think there's a couple of things. Number one, there's not a pressure to just all of a sudden present this to your clients. Like you said, you can weave this into your conversations and your dialogue over time. You're going to be having a lot of interactions. There's nothing wrong with going back to the clients and saying how you've evolved your process. You've systematized it a little bit more so that you can make sure that you can have these meaningful conversations with clients more often. So there's no pressure to kind of all of a sudden roll this out as something brand new. It's, you know, I've been doing a lot of this. Some of it's evolved over time because I'm I'm more experienced. We've been working together longer. Your uh, life has become more complex 10 years down the road than it was when I first met you. So all those things are absolutely appropriate. And using that client review, as you mentioned, Tina, to be that that launching point, to have these conversations where you're not just calling the client out of the blue, but there, there's, a, there's a time when you're sitting down actually having this dialogue. And that happens over time. You've evolved your process, how you're getting clients through the what ifs in life. And at the same time, you're doing so on a regular basis so that you can have these conversations in more of a fluid format. Because I think sometimes the fear is that we're going to have this conversation now and when's the next time we're going to have this conversation? right? When, when something else happens or do I have to bring it to your attention? But if they know that there's a process involved, they know that not everything has to be covered today, that I'm going to have this conversation in three months or six months or whenever it is. Well, and arguably, I think right now with clients going through the great reassessment that, that Tina had talked about earlier, this seems like a perfect excuse, if you will. I mean, you could just pull in a lot of the clients I'm working with are reevaluating their priorities. I want to make sure that we're doing that too. I want to make sure that my company and my practice is structured in such a way that we can make sure that we are capturing that and that we can be there alongside you. So I want to make sure that we have these conversations with you and are appropriately organized to be able to 
build on that. That might be another way right now, um, in particular, using the great reassessment as a quote unquote excuse for why we might be having a slightly different type of conversation now and going forward because times have also changed um, potentially. I was just also going to say, you know, Tina's talked about this in the past about segmenting your clients in terms of not only what type of client they are, but also what position in life they're in. It's a great point, Tom, because one of the things that we've actually created is a process for the advisors to use. And and starting with when a, a client is in the accumulation phase and they're younger, you know, they have different goals and circumstances and even preferences for for risk. We know that Gen Xers and baby boomers have very different views on risk and also millennials. So as they're moving in an accumulation phase, they, they care about things like their expenses, their cash flow, debt management. All of those things are really important in beginning to actually invest. As they move to get older, they their lives get more complex. And so I think as you move you know, into the baby boomer category, then all of a sudden we're making decisions about parental care, unwinding parents' estates, having adult kids move back in. You know, 50 per, 52%, I just read a study the other day, 52% of adult children are actually living back with one or more parents. So life is changing all the time and their priorities are changing. And as they get even older, then they have to think about what does risk really mean to me now? Is it capital preservation? Is it managing assets for the next generation? Because I don't need them anymore. Healthcare is not going down in cost. So how do you actually build that in? So throughout that whole life journey, being able to the, evolve the practice and the conversations is what adds value. I'm curious to hear from both of you with respect to being able to demonstrate the value of the A, B, C, P, T. Are there specific tools that you have found to be useful or where you have seen advisors really succeed? Maybe it's a tool, maybe it's a resource, maybe it's some sort of language thing. Use this one liner that seems to capture people's attention a lot or this approach or, or something that maybe the rest of the team might be doing to help support the, this messaging going to clients. What, do you have any recommendations there or any best practices that if I'm an advisor that hasn't been able to communicate my value very well yet, if I was going to start today or tomorrow, where might I want to put some emphasis first? I'll, uh, I'll take that one just, and because I, I just have one idea that's on the tip of my tongue that I like to use a lot. Um, we, Russell has created one, um, but I know a lot of advisors have kind of created their own versions of some sort of an engagement roadmap. Ours is called the Client Engagement Roadmap. Ours particularly looks out two years based on a quarterly review schedule. And I, I think the the importance of that is it sets clients' minds at ease that if you're a new client, so you're a prospect that you walked in, you're doing going through the onboarding process with an advisor, and all of a sudden they say, hey, you know what? This is our last meeting where I transition the assets and we start to do a, a, a few things. What's next? Because I do have a lot of questions on my mind and more questions will pop up that are not necessarily prevalent or necessary right now. When will they be addressed? What's the process for that? And an advisor that actually kind of sets their client's mind at ease by laying out a roadmap of this is how our engagements are going to be. This is how our communication is going to be over the course of the next two, four, 10 years. I, I think that's that's important. And also the topics that will be brought up. Hey, you don't have to worry about getting it all, stuffing it all into one meeting because next quarter, look, if you look down on the list, that's agenda item number three. So agenda items that are 
that are two or three quarters out. Obviously, they're fluid, so they can be changed, but at least the client knows that that topic will be tackled at some point in the not-too-distant future. Now, obviously, that's from a, from a prospect perspective, right? You're starting off that, that client brand new. But you, there's no reason why you can't introduce that as well to existing clients to just say, you know, given the complexities of your current client base and the things that you've learned over the years, you're taking best practices. And this is one of the things that you found to be very successful with new clients as well as existing clients. And there's no reason why you can't take that to relationships that you've had for years and say, now I'm going to lay out a visual for you to have a little bit more confidence and clarity in terms of what our communication will be like over the coming uh, quarters and years. I like that idea of the client engagement roadmap a lot. I can see how that would be impactful. Tina, are, are there other tools that are at the tip of your tongue that you want to share with us? We talked about before that the clients are going through the biggest rediscovery that I've ever seen in my career. What a great way to revisit what their priorities are today. A lot of times clients don't know what to talk to their advisors about. They know that they're making decisions in their lives and what's important for their, their advisor to know and what's not important. So that rediscovery, and we have wonderful tools, whether you're doing it in front of the clients, whether you're doing it digitally or virtually with the client, we have ways to actually help. And what you'll do is you'll, you'll underline the top priorities for the client and you use those priorities and what's important to them to tie to the solutions and the planning and the roadmap that you're going to create to them. That's what makes it feel customized to them. Now, can you do this for everyone? Probably not. So you have to think about the complexity of the client's lives and who, what clients would benefit most from that kind of comprehensive, holistic family planning. Hey, we're just going to take a quick break here, but we'll be back shortly. Hey, it's Julie, your productivity and readiness expert at Vessel Investments. We'll get back to the podcast in just a sec. But first, a question we hear from financial professionals over and over is, how do I make my investment practice stand out from the one across the street? We're all looking for ways to be unique. One powerful way is by becoming a tax-managed investing expert. Our latest value of advisor study shows that taking a tax smart approach can provide enough value to investors that more than justifies a reasonable fee. And if you're thinking tax management sounds like too much work, don't, because Russell Investments can provide you with tax smart models that can help with all that portfolio management. Visit us at russellinvestments.com to learn more and start setting your practice apart with a tax managed approach. Or then again, maybe you could just repaint your lobby. That might help too. And we're back. So you guys have suggested some great tools for the B, for the behavioral um, coaching and for C, that customized client portfolio and experience. Do you have any thoughts of tools or resources that can be useful for articulating the value that I'm delivering on that active rebalancing and on on the product alignment and on the tax management? So when I think about the rebalancing process, the best time to actually integrate that is into the process is when you do that client review using the three Ps. And you're talking about process, the process of why you bought the things that you did, why you still own them, why they're still appropriate or not, and what might need to change. That's the perfect time to just bring it up in conversation to say to the client, you know what, Mr. And Mrs. Client, have I ever really talked to you about when we would rebalance and talk about our philosophy around that, because I'm not sure that I have. And it's important for you to know, especially when we have months like 
March of last year, specifically the week of March the 23rd, and for you to understand what we would do in a good market and a bad market and what we would change when, that's the perfect time to actually integrate that rebalancing strategy into, into the conversation. What about the, the product alignment? How do I talk to my clients about that and the value that I add there? Why, why product alignment matters? From my perspective, I think product alignment matters because as, as Tina just talked about, are you able to do all these things with all of your clients? No. One of the reasons why I'm able to, to provide and my team's able to provide all these services is because we align our products in a scalable way so that we can not only give the clients what they need from an investment management perspective, but also leave ourselves the time to be able to then look at all the other things that a client needs in their life. Investment management, you know, whatever form or fashion it comes in, is only a fraction of that conversation and a fraction of that financial planning strategy. So understanding that we can do our best to customize to a client, right? We obviously want to be able to do it to a certain extent, but you also have to be scalable. You have to be scalable in your delivery of those products so that you can still turn around and provide all those other services that you've promised. And if you're promising a client experience that all of a sudden you can't deliver because you're spending all the time on the product side of things, that becomes a, uh, a no-win situation. Well, it also gives you control right, of your practice and your time and determining what you want to spend time with. Remember on the podcast, we talked about advisors that actually outsource, it was an asset mark study, that if they outsource somewhere between 50 and 89% of the asset management, it gave back 7.7 hours a week. That's 385 hours a year. So what would you actually do with that time? Maybe it is, you know, working on some of the portfolios. Maybe it's the core strategy, not the satellite strategies that you need. Or maybe you're simply spending more time with the clients and shifting the dialogue from being about the product and the nuances of the product that they're buying, but how that product actually answers a question and a decision based on their life right? And what it actually does for them. And I guess helping contextualize for clients too, that there are thousands and thousands of product options available. If you count mutual funds, if you count model strategies, if you count separately managed accounts, like all of these things, there are thousands of options available. Not all of them are most suited for the client and not all of them are ones that the client on their own without an advisor is going to be able to understand to be able to select the right one. So in terms of the value of working with an advisor that can help you choose the best aligned product for you, if you want to do the Morningstar thing on your own, have at it. But it takes a while, you know? So I guess there's there's that angle too. Last one, we saved the best for last, right? T, what, what kind of resources would you point an advisor to around having that tax smart planning conversation with their client in a way that a client can truly understand what is the value of tax smart planning and tax smart investing? With tax smart planning, it's, it's a interesting topic because you add a lot of value, but it's very hard to decipher for a client. And I think many times they understand that they should be doing something around taxes, but they want to make sure that it's not getting in the way of their performance of their portfolios. And they want to be able to quantify it. And how do I understand it? I, I think from, from a tool perspective, obviously, there's a lot of different tools out there that can now show you the value of tax management much more so than it was before. Tax smart planning means understanding what you do on your qualified side might be different than what you do on your non-qualified qualified side of your portfolio and why looking at it as an overall portfolio makes sense. 
right? You don't have to have the same things and just diversify in your qualified strategy and have a very similar strategy non-qualified because we want to make sure that you take into consideration the tax implication of certain asset classes and certain products and things like that. I think it also is very, very important from a consolidation of assets, especially in the distribution side, where advisors that are that are understanding the importance of tax smart planning understand that there has to be a chosen one when you get to retirement. Having assets spread and diversified among financial institution or financial advisor doesn't really work when we talk about the other components of the of the equation, but it really doesn't work when you talk about the tax smart planning of it because it's very difficult to understand what's happening in a client situation if you have no idea what the other advisor is doing on their end. So I think from a value perspective, it really makes sense for clients to understand that having that chosen advisor come the end of your accumulation into your decumulation side of things is extremely important for a lot of reasons, but also for the tax management. One of the best questions that you could ask the asset managers that you work with today is, I'd love to see your after-tax returns. So you can see what tax drag really means, especially on your taxable accounts that you may be working with. The other thing is, is how do you actually bring this to, to um, centers of influence since that you may work with today? These are great tools and great resources and great you know, sort of starting points. Speaking of starting points, what if I'm listening to this podcast and I am a great advisor, but I haven't been doing these things yet? Maybe I'm realizing hmm, that behavioral coaching, I could maybe focus a little bit more emphasis there or customized client experience. These are some interesting ideas. You know, I should I should incorporate some of those or the product alignment or the tech smart investing. It feels like a lot, right? I mean, it's it's great. There's a lot of opportunity, but it can also feel a little bit overwhelming. Where should I start? I think the first part is how we feel about change in our own practices. If you're not doing all those things, it's okay. Pick the things that you think will have the most impact with the client and begin incremental changes in your practice to get where the clients need you to be over time. Just to add to that, um, you may have advisors that are doing all these things, but just need to get better at expressing it and verbalizing it to the client without sounding like the pat on the back. So you have two you have two ways you can go with this. You have the advisors that are great advisors, but may not be doing all these things. Incremental change. Then you have the advisors that are doing all these things, but are not actually expressing it to their clients because they try to keep it private or or happens behind the scenes and they don't want to sound braggadocious. My advice would be to begin to bring these things up, let clients know what you're doing and why you're doing it, and they'll see the value in that over time. They'll see the difference between you and another advisor that they heard about or that they talked to because it'll be obvious at that point. And it's not something that in your first conversation you're going to be able to articulate perfectly, but if you continuously work on it, articulating your value it becomes seamless part of the conversation. And before you know it, you're um, having doing a very good job verbalizing it without even realizing that you're uh, demonstrating it to the client. That's a helpful reminder from both of you that a lot of what advisors are able to deliver to their clients, especially when it's going really well, right? And you're able to help a client be able to change their life and be able to have those amazing moments in their life and really be able to accomplish their goals. In some ways, the advisor is delivering a certain form of magic, right? Those magical moments that you can have with a client or that the client has in their life because of the partnership that they've had with their advisor. At the same time, what advisors are delivering is not a magic trick. 
So just because we're suddenly giving insight for the client into what's going on behind the curtain and what I'm doing and providing as an advisor, it's not equivalent to explaining to the client, this is the magic trick. Instead, it's allowing that transparency that we are delivering to the client by sharing with them, this is what I do for you. This is how we're able to achieve these results. These are all of the different things that go into it, not in a pat myself on the back kind of way, but simply in a, I want you to be aware. I want you to have transparency into how this is happening because it's not a trick. It's real. It's magic, but it's not a trick. And so maybe being able to distinguish between that and having that confidence and that conviction and what it is that I as an advisor am doing will, will help me be able to explain it in a way that feels good to me and feels really great to the client as well. I think that's important, Sophie, because believing in the value that you bring yourself is the first step. Understanding that what we do is noble and we help clients make major decisions that have tremendous impact in their life throughout their life. And if they don't have you to talk to these to about these things, who are they going to talk to? So that authenticity of the things that you do and clients see that coming from you, but you have to believe it yourself. And you have to believe in yourself. So maybe the place to start is really close to home and think about what am I doing? What, what do I want to be able to do? What do my clients need me to do? And how can I help myself and my team get there? Tina and Tom, I want to thank you again. This has been really great hearing from you about the value of an advisor. As Tina said, it starts at home. You are, as an advisor, your client's first port of call. At Russell Investments, we are honored to be your first port of call. You've got your clients back. We want to be there to have your back. We're doing this as a partnership. So definitely don't hesitate to give us a call to get access to some of the tools and resources and thought leadership that Tom Tom and Tina mentioned. If you're intrigued by that client engagement roadmap, if you're curious about the effective client reviews process and framework, if you want to know more about TaxSmart investing and about how to talk to a client about the importance of product alignment, definitely don't hesitate to give us a call, shoot us an email. We will be more than happy to help and be there for you in the way that you are there for your clients. So thank you. This episode was recorded on April 22nd in Washington, D.C., St. Louis, and Seattle.